Relationships. We're going to talk about relationships this morning. A healthy relationship, because there are all kinds of relationships. There's some very unhealthy relationships in this world. A lot of it's been legalized. There's relationships of all kinds of, of things going on that, that are not healthy. They're not healthy relationships. There are relationships that are very healthy. And we want to talk about the healthy relationship. When I talk about a healthy relationship, the only way, friends, the only way that there's a healthy relationship is if God's in the middle of it. It's the pyramid. The Lord's at the top. He's right there. Then comes your, your family, your husband, your wife. Your kids don't even fit there. Have you ever seen a pyramid, you know? you got a point up top, and usually there's two stones down below to support that, but it sits in the middle. There's only room for two, and that's the husband and the wife. Then you get on down there, and that's when the youngins fit in. And the rest of your family, and the rest of your friends, and your church, and your community. It all spreads out, but if he ain't at the top of it, it's not a healthy relationship. I don't care what you call it. I don't care how you measure it. It's only healthy if he's in it. So the first thing of a healthy relationship is to be committed to God. Are we committed to God? How committed to God are you? That's the question for you to ask yourself. Because you see, he is committed to us. I'm going to prove it to you. In 1 Peter 2 and 18, it says, Servants, be submissive to your masters. And there's a lot in here. There's a lot of information here, but I want to get to one particular place, but I want to read it all. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. If you've got a harsh master, you be good to them too. For it is commendable. If because of conscience toward God, one endures grief, suffering, suffering wrongfully. If we keep our consciousness toward God, if we keep our eye on God, there's nothing anybody in this world can do to us that will affect our relationship with God. Let me say that again. It's commendable when we ain't lashing out. Amen, Ken. Because our world teaches something totally different. Verse 20, for what credit is it if when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. Now, this is information for us. But here, here in verse 21, this is where I really want to get. For to this you were called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow his steps. That's how committed God is to us. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That's how committed God is to you, to me, to everybody that's breathing air this morning in this world. That's how committed he is. Are we that committed to God? Church attendance doesn't matter. That, that doesn't show necessarily your commitment. I'm going to tell you now, if you're committed to him, you're going to have it. I'll go ahead and say that. 
Somebody talked to me about a year or so ago, so why don't we just do away with Sunday night services because, you know, we ain't got 15 or 20 people showing up. They said, pray about it. I said, I don't need to pray about it. The doors don't need to be closed and they need to be open. More and more and more and more, the doors need to be open. There are people I see on Sunday night that I don't see on Sunday morning or on Wednesday night. We don't need to be closing the doors more. We need to be opening them more. And you want to know something? In a year's time, we've doubled our Sunday night attendance. Why? Because we've remained faithful and committed to God. We're going to keep on praying. I'm preaching this morning and giving to y'all. I'm praying that God and that the Holy Ghost is going to use me to, to give you what you need and, and to put out what he's wanting us to receive. But I do know this, tonight is the most important service we will have this week. It is prayer service. You got needs, you got to talk to God. Well, I don't have to come to church to talk to God. Well, we're going to get into some of that, but I'm not here to, to bash. I'm here to say a healthy relationship is committed to God. And Jesus is our example. Do you realize that when they took Jesus captive in the garden, at any moment, the Son of God, God in the flesh, could have called down angels. He could have said, I am not doing this. But his commitment to us was to say, I have to do it this way. It has to happen this way, and I'm committed to the Father. The Father set this up. Jesus and the Father, he says, you've seen the Father, you've seen me. They set this up that way, that was the only way that you and I could be redeemed. And that's commitment, folks. Are we that committed to God? Question to ask ourselves. We have folks that are teaching Sunday school and doing all kinds of things. We've got people that's Ashley's over there. She's pouring into those kids over there. I want you to know something. That's not a lesser church over there. It's not. Just because we're the big guys and we've got the billfolds and we're keeping the lights on, it doesn't mean anything. That's not a lesser church. That's church service. It's on their level. And we are blessed to have a wonderful woman who is sold out to God and committed to God for what she's supposed to do. Amen. She ain't looking at, I've had 20 kids, now I've got 5 kids, now I've got 15 kids. She ain't looking at the fluctuation. She's looking, I've got a job to do. And I want to do what God has given me to do. When we come in here on Wednesday nights and whoever's teaching is teaching, they have poured out and said, God, I'm committed to this. I'm going to do what you've asked me to do. And they come in here and they do. It doesn't matter if there's 10 people sitting here or if there's 50 people sitting here. We are committed to God. Amen. Amen. It says here, and we should follow in his steps. What kind of sacrifices will we make for God? Are we committed to him? He sacrificed for us. It says here that he committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. Now, folks, don't put your suit on or your dress on and ask Jesus how it looks and expect to hear what you want to hear. Because there was no deceit in his mouth. Think about that. Now, would he just say nothing and just walk away and shake his head? I have no idea. But there was no deceit found in his mouth. And we live in such a deceitful world today that we'll let the truth be sacrificed over it. Are we committed to God? 
What a question. He's committed to us. Are we committed to him? Who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. He didn't fight back. He didn't lash out. You hit me, I'm hitting you. When he suffered, he did not threaten. He didn't say, I'm going to get you. But committed himself to him who judges righteously. Into my hands, Father, I commend my spirit. He gave everything for us. He gave everything for God. He showed us the way to walk. He showed us the way to live. And he gave us his word. He gave us everything that we need. He gave us the Holy Spirit so that he could come. And he's the one, that little voice inside of us says, I don't do that. Let's do this. He gave everything so that we could have him. He himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. We need healing today. Anybody need healing today? We've, we've mentioned people that need healing physically. There are people that's needing healing spiritually. There's people that's needing healing inside of their minds where the war goes on. You know what I'm talking about? We, the, the stinking thinking, it can take over if we ain't careful. But he took those stripes that we might be healed. We can walk away from this church today, healed people, healed physically, healed mentally, healed spiritually. He can do that. Then we're talking about relationships, our relationship with God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That's the commitment of God to us. Are we committed to him and to one another? First Timothy. If we're committed to God, folks, we're going to be committed to one another. There ain't no way around it. Look across the room. See somebody over here. Look backwards. Look forwards. If we're committed to God, we are committed to one another. We're saved, right? We're, I think most of us here, are, it's not a salvation message. I, I, pray that it, I pray that it is if you need it. We, we, we love Jesus. And if we're committed to him, we therefore are committed to one another. In 1 Timothy 6, 17, it says, Command those that are rich in the present age not to be haughty nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in, in the living God, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good, they, that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come, that they may lay hold of eternal life. Old Timothy, guard what was committed to your trust, avoiding the profane and idle babblings and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. This Bible is what we have, and this is the knowledge. And there are people that like to use it sometimes to get to what they want. And he told Timothy, you guard what you have been given. You've been given truth, and the truth will make the people free. Don't give up. Stand fast. I could have used a number of scriptures for that. I use that one. It's what God gave me to use. It's nothing about it. If you got money, good. If you don't, that's good too. Make sure whatever you have, you're using it for the glory of God. And that's our commitment to Him. Amen? That's how we serve one another sometimes. I've known a lot of people in my life, and I've known some people that wouldn't give you the shirt off of their back. They wouldn't even give you a drink of water. Because they didn't like you. Maybe they didn't like your daddy. Maybe they didn't like your family. Whatever it was, something they didn't like, 
But I've known some people who know Jesus, and it doesn't matter. Holy Ghost says, do they do? They don't ask questions. That's commitment to God. That's what it is. That's commitment to Him. Another thing about our healthy relationships is not only being committed to God, but to one another, is, a, is to spend quality time together. In Matthew 6 and 6, But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in, in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. That's quality time with God. Go somewhere where it's just you and Him. Turn the phone off. Do whatever you got to do. Go and have your time with God. That's quality time. Don't we try to spend quality time with our spouses and our children and our church family? We had quality time last night. Wasn't it a good movie? Those of y'all got to make it out in the spaghetti. Wasn't it tasty? Amen. Thank you, Brother Dave, for throwing it together and everybody that helped. Ladies and guys alike, it was a men's ministry thing, but it turned out being everybody doing and it was a really, really good movie. It had a good message. We might do another movie night and just keep it simple. We'll just do some popcorn and show up here and have some fellowship together. And sometimes when we see stuff like that, it's a little bit different than when we're reading it in here. We get to see a picture of it. And it just makes it better. And that's what God has done. He's laid this stuff out for us. But quality time. In Luke 4 and 4, but Jesus answered him saying, It is written, man should not live on bread alone, but by, but by every word of God. By the word of God. It's the word of God. That's what we live by is the word of God. That's quality time. Did you not know, not only are you praying, but are you reading the word? Or is the word coming in? Are you receiving teaching and preaching? That's the word of God. That's how we get through this life, folks. It's getting worse out there. I'm going to tell you now, don't, don't have no illusions. We're going to pray, and we're going to be asking. But I tell you, this coming today, I believe we're going to be asking him to come back and get us. Because he's going to leave this world to do what it's going to do. And we can sit and spend our time complaining about it, or we can actually do something and stay in the Word of God. Grab another one to go to heaven with us. Grab another one to go to heaven with us. The fields are ripe, and the laborers are few. And that's what we need to do. Not only are we praying, but we're also staying in the Word of God. Most assuredly, and in John 8 and 51, most assuredly I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. How are we going to keep the Word if we never get into the Word? We won't know it. If we don't come to church and receive the teaching, how are we going to know it? You never know what we're going to miss out on. You never know what you're not going to hear. You never know what you're going to miss in a Sunday school class when somebody brings up something and now you get an answer to what you were seeking. Well, life's too busy. How's that? We go back to the committed to God. Are we committed to Him? He's committed to us. Are we committed to Him? Are we spending that quality time with Him? His word does it. Sanctify them with your truth. Your word is truth. You want to be able to have a sanctified life? We've got to have the truth. The truth has to come into us. You see, we set appointments for everything. Anybody got a doctor's appointment tomorrow? Are you going to keep it? Why?
Because you need something done, don't you? Amen. Amen. I love it. Got to have my tooth fixed. I'm in church because I need something done. I love it. But we're going to keep our appointments tomorrow. Hair appointments. Doctor's appointments. Car appointments. What other kind of appointments do we have? We should have an appointment with him. I'm going to ask you. What did you say back there, Slim? I heard you laughing. Physical therapy. Class. We have appointments and we're going to keep those appointments. But do you have an appointment with God? Every day there should be some time with God. Do we make that appointment? Do we keep that appointment? Boy, life's busy. This is going on. That's happening. Keep your appointment with God. If you keep the main thing, the main thing, everything else is going to work out. It will. So we're talking about with God, but we need to have other appointments. With our honeys. Well, amen or not? I mean, come on. We need to have appointments with our honeys. Amen. Amen. That's a good word right there. Have time with your honey. Talk about the word with your honey. Y'all talk, both of you. It's not just one-sided deal. It's you in this boat together. What we're learning. But we have our other time together. Our intimate time together. Our time to go out and eat a meal. Unless you're really dying, and I'm telling you right now, you call me anytime you need me, we'll get it on the prayer line. But when it gets along about 8 or 9 o'clock at night, that's my honey's time and my family's time. And our appointment is pretty much standing. Did y'all understand what I said? Y'all didn't take that wrong, I hope. You need us, you call us. Because we're serving him, we're committed to him, and being committed to him is being committed to you. But you know what? We've got to have some time. Amen? Amen? Now, me and my honey, we do things together. We last year started riding the river and fishing. Now, fishing might not be your thing, and that's okay. That don't make us wrong, don't make you right. Don't make you wrong, make us right. That's our time together. Amen? Say amen, sweetie. She said amen. <laughs> but we keep these appointments. We make an appointment with God, but we keep appointments with one another. Amen? That's what we're to do. As much as, much as is possible in us, we keep our appointments and our t- time together with each other. Because it's important. Why is it important? Let me see if I can make this jump. Oh, no, it's just a big step. I don't jump as good as I used to did. Hebrews 10 and 24, Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Let me finish that. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as in the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. 
What day are we talking about? The day of the Lord. The day he's coming back. Is it approaching? Look around, folks. If you can't see it, I don't know what to do to help you. The day is coming. This world is getting bad with a quickness. There's coming a day, and it's coming, I believe, very soon that he's coming back. All the more we shouldn't be forsaking the assembling of ourselves. Because that's where love starts. That's where we stir it up. Come in and shaking hands with somebody just a few minutes before church and, and, and knocking them down and getting out the door when we're done because the preacher went 10 minutes too long. Or even if he got done early. That's not an assembling of ourselves. Fellowship is an assembling of ourselves. This is where we grow together. This is where we can talk. This is where we can start becoming intimate together. I can tell you now just from what, I, what I've seen, and maybe I don't got it right, but I, I can tell you this. You, 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 can't, you can't pastor a church in two or three years and start doing effective work. You, do you agree with me on that? Now, you can bring people in and you can preach and, and people can get saved, and that's effective work. But I'm talking about the people that's sitting here week in and week out. The people whose life is going good right now, and all of a sudden a bump happens and a tire falls off the truck. Until they got relationship with you, they ain't talking to you about it. They might talk to somebody else. They might talk to Jesus about it. But you know, sometimes Jesus wants you to to get this stuff out so it can be worked on. This is what we're talking about, relationship. And I promise you, maybe it's just how I did it. I don't know. It takes some time to get that kind of a relationship with people. Some people will never trust you with some things. And should. And should. Why? So that the glory of God can be known. It's the testimony. It's the testimony of the things that we face. That quality time together. You know, we didn't leave. We don't leave here on Wednesday nights and Sundays, and Sunday afternoons and Sunday nights. Usually, to an hour or two, sometimes after service is over. Some of y'all done gone to the restaurant, ate, got home, and taken a nap before we ever leave the church. Why? Because it's quality time. I'm not knocking it. If you are, please don't take it the wrong way. But what I'm saying is, is we have to have quality time together as God's children. That's how he meant it. Don't forsake the assembling of ourselves. We're to accept and appreciate each other. Romans 5 and 8, But God demonstrates his own love toward us, and while we were yet still sinners, Christ died for us. Do you see his commitment on that part? He accepted Ken before Ken ever said, Yes, Jesus. And brothers, he knows everything about me. And it ain't good. It ain't good at all. At all. But Jesus said, yeah. I died for you and I want you. Amen. What a comfort that is. There's coming a day we're going to go to glory with him. There's coming a day that we're going to, the people, we're going to be able to say, you know, I was here. I was in the mud pits. I didn't want to hear about Jesus, didn't want to know about Jesus. I didn't, I didn't want to be around the Jesus people. But one day, 
this man figured out a way he was going to get to talk to me. And thank God he did. I ain't been the same since. How about you? You've been the same since you met Jesus? And he will always be working on us. He's spending that time with us and he accepts us. He appreciates us. Do you know when we were sweeping floors last night and getting scatty noodles up off of the floor? Jesus appreciated that. When we were cooking, Jesus appreciated that. When you came here and started eating and having fellowship, do you know he appreciated that? We need to appreciate each other. That's what a, a good relationship is about. He appreciates us. In Luke 6 and 27, But I say to, to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who spitefully use you. But if you love those who love you, what credit is it to you? For even sinners love those who love them. But if you love your enemies, do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the unthankful and the evil. Don't we know some people in this world, it seems like it, they, they, everything they touch turns to gold, and they don't care much at all for Jesus. He is kind. He's giving them space. He's still knocking on the door. He's still maybe answering a prayer that came through so that they could be saved. He's doing all that because he says, I want to accept you. I want you to come in and be a part of my family. I want you to receive the salvation that I have paid for you, the redemption that you have, the reconciliation with God that I did. That's what he's saying. That's what Jesus is saying. Therefore be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. You know, when we do marriage counseling, I always ask the couples the first time. And I tell them, if you lie to yourself, because it doesn't matter what I know, you're not marrying me. You could leave here and move to Hawaii, and I'll never see you again. But you're going to be with that person the rest of your life. I want you to do something for me. I want you to write down what it is you don't like about them. Anybody know what I'm talking about? What is it you don't like about him or her? And the next week when we meet, if there's nothing on the list, I already know right then this couple's in trouble. Because whatever it is they're avoiding now, at some point in their life, they will face it. And if you've had five years of disliking something about your mate, it just only gets stronger. Yep. Anybody want to get married? I'll, I'll be glad to counsel because I'm going to tell you it's tough. My job is to try to break you up. It's make you talk you out of it. Because if I can talk you out of it, you don't need to get married. Amen. What don't you like about them? Well, I love everything about them. Stop lying to yourself. I don't know if you actually believe that or not, but there's something there you don't like. Now, trust me on this, it probably is not going to change. If it's a spiritual thing, it still doesn't matter. You can pray for them, but until they let God come in and do something in their life, they're not going to change. You 
know what I'm talking about, don't you? So can you accept that? Can you accept what that is? Maybe, maybe, maybe he dozed off on the couch one night when he was over at your mom and dad's house and he got the snoring and you're like, oh my goodness. Can you accept that or not? Don't come back 25 years later and say, I just can't stand this, man. I can't get asleep. I ain't slept for 25 years. Well, you knew that the day you walked into it. <laughs> Think about it. You, you pick whatever you want to pick and put on it, but you're going to deal with it at some point, and some things we just have to accept. Now, I love my sweetie today. Sweetie, can I tell this? You don't even know what I'm going to tell. See, when I make a sandwich, you've got the top of the loaf of bread and the bottom part, you know. I don't think Sweetie in 23 years of marriage has ever put a sandwich together with two tops together. One's crooked or upside down or something. That just messes with my head. <laughs> now, I know that sounds simple, don't it? But people can get in arguments over those kinds of things. You've been with me this long, you don't know how to make a sandwich right? Sweetie don't care. She puts it together, and it's good. Don't get me wrong. But don't we all have pet peeves? Can I see a hand if you don't have a pet peeve? Put them hands back down because you got one. We have these little pet peeves. Can you live with it? Are you okay with it? We have to accept them. And not only that, we're sitting here and we're supposed to enjoy open and honest communication. I ask the folks what they expect out of marriage. Can you be okay if that expectation is not met? you got to be able to talk. Because if it stays bottled up, we have problems, and it will, it will destroy you. What? Sweetie's being mean. Y'all pray for me when we go home. I'm in trouble. But we're supposed to resolve conflict constructively respect. To, to resolve conflict. Matthew 18 and 15, Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him. Let me just stop right there. Don't tell anybody else. It's nobody else's business. You, if, you, if you're telling everybody else, you're wanting to see what their thought is on it. You've got to know what God's thought because it's commitment, right? It's how committed are we with God. He told us there's going to be trouble. There's going to be some issues in the house. There's going to be some issues in the family. Outlaws and in-laws, you know what I'm talking about? You better go have that conversation. Don't go looking for somebody to prop you up in something that's not biblical. Go and tell him. I'm not going to finish reading because we're getting short on time. He also says, you know what, if they don't get it then, then you bring two or three from the church, two or three of the elders. Somebody who, who you know you can trust. They're not going to sit here and throw stones at you. They're not going to look at you differently but they will throw some truth up in the pile for you to have. You need the tools you need. Have you ever tried to build a deck and not have any hammers and nails? Don't go to people that's not going to give you the hammers and nails. Go to the people that's going to give you the truth that's going to help you through. Because you see, Satan is looking to tear us apart. He wants me. And in trying to get me, he's going to try to get something going on with me and my wife and with me and my children and with me and my friends, me and my family. Me and my church family, he's going to try all these things to drive us apart. 
And Jesus said, here's how you deal with it. Have the conversation. And if your brother's done all against you and you can't get him to see the error of his ways, then get a couple, get me and Brother Murphy in or me and Brother Randy or Brother Murphy and Brother, you don't have to have me. Get somebody who you can trust to have that conversation with you so that the problem can be resolved because I'm going to tell you, the devil's done stuck one foot in the door. And what you do after that determines whether or not he comes on in and tears your house up. Amen? So we're supposed to have this communication. We're supposed to resolve the problems. You see, there's no worse testimony than for Christians. And I'm going to do this right here. Because what did I say? If you're committed to the Lord, then we are committed to each other. No worse testimony than when they can't do things for each other or work with each other or talk with each other and not resolve the problem. What kind of testimony does that give to our children? What kind of testimony does it give to our church family? What kind of testimony does it give to the community who we're trying to tell about Jesus and his love? Do you understand what I'm talking about? Are we committed to God? We're talking about healthy relationships here. So the conversation has got to happen. And it's, it's going to either happen here on this earth or if you didn't resolve it here, it will happen before Christ. I don't know how that's going to go. I'm not him. He's the perfect righteous judge. I ain't taking no chances. So Brother Randy, all the times me and you butted heads, we need to get rid of it, don't we? We've never butted heads, Brother Randy and I haven't. I don't know if you could stir him up enough. I just don't know. <laughs> Two men right there that I love very much, very humble men. My father-in-law, very humble man, signed on with my mother-in-law. And boy, I tell you, they've been through it. But that fellow, he ain't missed a beat. He has not missed a beat. We're to resolve the conflict, because if we forgive men our trespasses, then our Heavenly Father will forgive us. Conflict's going to come. What are you going to do about it? Those are healthy relationships. We've got to resolve the conflict. And we have to display resilience in the face of difficult times. We have to face things together. Church, we have to face things together. I mean, we're living in a pretty comfortable society right now. But do you know before Jesus comes back, it could get real rough on Christians? Just by what we teach. Churches are now having to get insurance policies so that they can be protected against what the world is trying to call hate speech when you call sin, sin. Therefore, we have to join together and face this thing together. When Sweetie and I have something that comes up at our house, we got to face it together. When things come up, we got to get God in the middle of what we're doing. We have to pull the book out and we have to do what the book says because sometimes it's the only answer. Well, I say, actually, that is the only answer. But we're always looking for other ways many times. Teaching them to deserve the things that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always. You see, God's committed. He said he's not going anywhere. No matter where you're at today, no matter what you're going through, he's there with you. Amen? He's there with you. We need to take comfort in that. 
He is there with us. He knows all about it. And he says, he who endures to the end shall be saved. He never promised that this thing was going to be easy. He never promised that there weren't going to be difficulties. He never promised that we weren't going to face things. On the contrary, he showed us in the word how to deal with stuff we're going to face. And that's the relationship. If we're committed to him, he is committed to us. He's given us all that we need. Then we can get through what we face as a family, as a church family, as a community. He gives us everything we need. See, when you get married, you say love, honor, cherish, and sickness, and in health, for richer, for poorer, for better, for worse, forsaking all others. That's what resilience is. You signed on for the long haul. You get sick, and I've got to take care of you, baby. I don't care if it's five years, ten years, or 25 years. I am here. In the healthy times, I am here. In the sick times, I am here. In the times when we got plenty, I'm here. When we have nothing, I'm here. That's what we signed on for. That's the relationship with a husband and a wife. That's the relationship between us as, as the bride of Christ. We're here. No matter what, we're here. We're going to hold on to him. When we hold on to one another, we're here all the way through. Difficult times will come and fences will happen. And Satan is trying to break apart our marriages and our families and our churches and our friendships. And it's all in an attempt to discredit God. And we must put the word of God into action. Otherwise, we talk about faith, but it's not faith. We have to put it to work. Healthy relationships. How's your relationship with your wife? How's your relationship with your children? How's your relationship with your mother and father? How's your relationship with your pastor? How's your relationship with all the people sitting around you, your friends? How are those relationships? But most of all, if you get the relationship with God right, those others will be okay. They will be okay. Because he promised us he would see us through. The relationships. Healthy relationships. There was a lot of people this week, and Sweetie talked about this this week, and she brought up a pretty interesting point. So all these people in the stores just going nuts, tackling each other, getting balloons and cards and boxes of candy. How many of them only loves their wife or their husband on February 14th. That's not love at all, is it? 